Welcome to GVN's Talking Comics interview. On today's show, we welcome talented writers Don Hanfield and Joshua Malkin. They are the writers of the delightful new graphic novel, Unicorn, on Scout Comics, which will soon be adapted into a film. Now, here's your host, Martin Sexton. Once again, to another edition of GVN's Talking Comics interview, I am your host, Martin, and today we welcome Don Hanfield and Joshua Malkin, the co-writers of the wonderful new graphic novel from Scout Comics, Unicorn. Unicorn is a touching look at grief and how adults and children cope with it, as well as adding some magic into the mix. So we're going to talk to them about their beginnings, their inspiration for Unicorn, and more. So let's welcome Don Hanfield and Joshua Malkin to GVN's Talking Comics. How are we doing today, Joshua? We're doing really well. Thank you so, so much for having me. And how about you, Don? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. All right. I appreciate it. Okay. Before we get started on Unicorn, I wanted to give each of you a moment to kind of introduce yourself to our followers. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Don. Uh, Just tell us a bit about what got you into writing, whose work inspired you, and some of the projects that you worked on up until uh, Unicorn. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I... I would say that I got into the film business because I was raised by uh, a single mother and she couldn't throw the football with us, but she'd take us to the films all the time. We watched TV together. So I became really kind of fascinated with story. And I think story filled a, a pretty big gap in my life as far as uh, um, just taught me things and, and I learned from it and I enjoyed it. It was a escape. So I, I've always been fascinated with story and I've been working in Hollywood for probably 25 years as a, as a screenwriter and director and producer. Um, I produced a movie called The Founder starring Michael Keaton. I created the show called Nightfall that was on History Channel with uh, a man named Richard Rayner. And for me, the journey into probably this story was that I had kids. And, you know, The Founder is a, was a great movie to make. I think for a little kid, it would probably put them to sleep. And I, I think that Nightfall would probably scare them. Uh, so when I started, when I had kids, I started to think about the movies that I grew up with, um, you know, the, that were directed, the live action so-called kids or family movies when I was young were directed by Steven Spielberg, Zemeckis, Donner, the best directors in the business directed these films. And I don't think we see that as much anymore. I think that, you know, there's sort of been a softening and, and maybe a, a dumbing down of the family movies. And I think for me, I wanted to create a story. I was doing comic books uh, after Nightfall. I got I grew up reading comics and started doing them as a creator and just really enjoyed the creative experience. And I've been uh, friends and partners with Josh for many, many years. And we wrote a series together. We wrote a, a, a series together called The Source that was something that we kind of felt could only be corralled by a comic book unless someone gave us $500 million to make it as a movie. So we had a great experience doing that and, and Josh also became a father and we just really wanted to do something that we could share with our children. Okay, so now it's your turn, Joshua. Same question, what, uh, when did you take an interest in writing and uh, which creators did you favor and uh, maybe some of your past projects? Sure, um, you know, like so many people of my, my generation, uh, you know, I a lot of my, my initial influences were, you know, big family books, you know, that um, sort of endeavored to tug at the heartstrings and um, 
inform and edify children to embrace a slightly better world, Charlotte's Web, um, Black Beauty, um, Watership Down, <laughs> um, were all kind of like the, the emblematic books of my childhood. And as I got older and older, they, they skewed kind of more and more fantastical. <laughs> um, it was a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, which I, I think was ultimately kind of my my first forays into writing were really all kind of being a dungeon master as a as a 13 and 14 year old kid. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, once I entered adolescence, I mean, it became kind of all movies all the time, but very much on the same order, you know, the Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, sort of Goonies ET bandwidth was yeah. kind of my jam for a long time. And I, I think it's kind of, Unicorns very much in that lane, so it's probably not that big a surprise. Thinking about unicorn, uh, unicorn is is a lovely story about dealing with grief and uh, how uh, adults handled it, how children handled it, and uh, mixed in with the power of magic of the unicorn. Uh, so, uh, Don Joshua, so I'm gonna, my back. I'm going to start with you, uh, Don. Uh, tell us a bit about what inspired unicorn, and uh, feel free to chime in there, Joshua. Um, how this came about was. I was, my mom lives in rural Pennsylvania, the same mom that took me to movies all the time. And she was friends with this old woman who had a farm and down a, you know, curvy road, this sort of idyllic, beautiful place that had like a couple llamas and an old horse and some dogs and some just a variety of animals. And I was there with my kids and I just imagined like, what would it be like if these animals were actually magic? And it started with the horse had a fly bonnet on its head. And I just imagined like, what would it be like if there was a bump of a unicorn horn under the fly bonnet and that horse was really a unicorn. And that kind of started the whole, the whole journey. The story started there, um, but we didn't really have the, the emotional architecture for it. Both of us ended up um, uh, losing parents or our children ended up losing grandparents. Um, in the early stages of the development of this project and um, the, the difficulties and challenges of, of kind of help getting our kids to understand um, emotionally and to get them to process what had happened. Um, and the fact that it was occurring in both of our lives, you know, so in such powerfully par parallel ways became the emotional spine for Unicorn. That was when kind of we know like, okay, we're not just going to write a unicorn book. We're going to write a unicorn book very specifically about and towards um, this emotional experience that we're going through right now. I can't imagine that was a, an easy situation to deal with as you were trying to, you know, to say for your own feelings. So uh, exactly how did you uh, work that into your book, uh, Don? Really kind of trying to both cope with that personally, you know, it's kind of the last sort of journey into adulthood, right, is dealing with the loss of uh, the people that came before you. And also, then how do you explain that to the to your children? You know, how do you have them deal with it in a way that's sort of uh, realistic, but hopeful, you know, and um, I'm never really been a believer in, uh, you know, I, I believe there's more to our existence, then, you know, we don't just become worm food to be sort of crass about it. I think there is something else there and obviously believe there's something beyond what we understand. And I think it's 
you know, interesting to me that like quantum physics and things like that are starting to sort of reinforce that idea um, that science is actually becoming uh, something that's supporting that idea as much as maybe religion would in the past. So we wanted to do something that wasn't necessarily based on any religious belief that uh, gave kids an understanding of how to maybe cope with grief, but also really just kind of this thing that, you know, grief is a difficult thing. And it's really also, um, you know, the memory is a good thing. The, the memory of the loss is a painful thing. So it's like, how do you sort of come to terms with those two things? And what we tried to explore was each of our characters is facing grief in a different way. And, you know, the dad's trying to forget about the, the wife at all because it's the love of his life and the more he thinks about it the more pain he feels and the the little girl who's at the center of our story um is very much in denial like mom's gonna walk back in mom's fine and the horse is sort of just angry and doesn't really want doesn't trust anyone and doesn't really want anyone around so these three kind of becomes this sort of this the group of three this family uh, um as it be it has to really kind of deal with and cope with this loss together and each kind of learn how to cope with it. And that really kind of became the, the reason for being for it, you know. As far as demographics go, did, were you aiming for a certain age group or was this kind of like an all, were you hoping for kind of an all age uh, type of book? I mean, we we're always hoping, I mean, we wanted to do something that our, our kids could enjoy. Um, I think we also, as consumers of, material as parents that you watch with your kids. I think we were also very cognizant that we wanted to do something that adults could also enjoy. Um, you know, the Pixar movies are a great example of what I feel like are movies that work on both levels. You know, they're emotional for kids and adults. There's stuff in there for adults and stuff for kids. And that was really sort of um, where we were aiming as sort of that ET, that Black Stallion, that kind of Goonies vibe, the movies that we sort of grew up with. and. That was our goal was to do something that would be equally interesting for an adult as it would for a child, kid. I also like the uh, deal where you had the Dungeons and Dragon kids hiding under the bleachers playing the Dungeons. And Dragons. So that, uh, I, I remember specifically uh, kids, you know, doing that kind of just mainly because it wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That may have been torn directly from life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may be more than anecdotal. Uh, not naming uh, name. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, you worked with uh, artist Rafael Lurero, uh, and he did a fabulous job. Uh, how did uh, Rafael get involved? And did as he started turning in pages to you guys, did some of his work surprise you any? Well, Rafael did a book for me called The Mall that I did with um, James Hake, who's another one of my collaborators. And I actually put an ad on digital webbing and um, that's how I found my first artist who was also Brazilian. He did, I did a book called The Rift for, with me. Um, he also did The Source that Josh and I did together named Leno Carvalho. But I wanted to, I was doing that book the same time as uh, The Mall and I, I needed a new artist. And this, he had this great sample. He just had this sample that was just beautiful. It was like four pages and I thought this guy's amazing. And I reached out to him and he was like, cool and what I didn't know is like that was the only he'd only done those like four pages he was an architect he wanted to do comic books and so he'd only done these four pages of a book and then we did this book called the mall together and he just I just loved his style and he's just such a talent and such an artist I mean he's um and so when 
uh, we were doing Unicorn, I just naturally reached out to him. We were done with them all. And I was like, hey, we're doing this other book. Do you want to do it? And, you know, and he, he jumped in and it was great. He's, he's super, super talent. And, you know, this kind of book, this length, uh, it's a, you know, it's a 200 page book. It's, it's a marathon. And it's a lot for an artist to kind of take on and carry. And we're super grateful and blessed that he was with us on the journey. Hey, so how about you, Josh? Were there any surprises in the uh, work that Raphael turned out? You know, some of the biggest surprises were, um, you know, the horse didn't look in initial concepts like other unicorns we had ever seen. Its horn looked a little different. The colorations were different. You know, I think that was without ever talking to him about this um, objectively or, or specifically, we all kind of had this like, let's make unicorns look and feel different. <laughs> um, and he was a big part of kind of making that possible and real. He, he just started throwing down a lot of ideas. This is a much bigger, more muscular <laughs> kind of less fragile looking unicorn than anything I had seen before. And it was, it, it's, that's, you know, a lot of that is through his contributions. So, and I also, I mean, he was made the horse's face very expressive. I mean, you can, you can feel, especially through the eyes. I mean, uh, uh, he did a fabulous job. Okay, so uh, your book is being adapted into a, a motion picture by Amory Films. Uh, did you, when you wrote the book, were you planning on having it maybe adapted into films, or was that just uh, something that happened after the fact? I mean, we're always, I mean, we wanted to make a good graphic novel. I think I was probably more inspired by, um, you know, the kind of the kids' literature when we started, like, you know, the Watership Downs, the, the Black Beauty, the Black Stallion, and also this you know, all these great books I was seeing my kids read like Amulet and Smile by Raina Telgemeier. I just love the medium. And look, if it becomes a movie, that's great. It's always in the back of our mind. I mean, that's that's our our day job, so to speak. But the um, the, the reason to be for it was to create something in the graphic novel space that would, you know, um, you know, create a create a world, create a world that could be something, you know, to be three or four of these. Um, but we're obviously very happy about the film adaptation aspect and we couldn't be happier with the director who's come on board she's incredibly talented and has been um, a great collaborator on this uh journey okay so in follow-up joshua uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your director uh who's going to be doing the film and kind of how the script has progressed to this point they attached um wonderful filmmaker who's awesome. Her name is Debbie Berman, um, who this would be her directorial debut, but she edited um, Black Panther and um, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been in development for, for a while. I think that the, the script has really grown into a property that is very, very faithful to the to the the book that you read, but still different in in some some really unique and fundamental ways that I <laughs> I won't spoil right yet. Um, but yeah, I with any luck, there will there will be a movie come twenty twenty three. Well, now actually, you were, you brought up a good point because it's something I was going to going to ask. I mean, as far as you know, as writers, when you have your work, you know, going to be adapting to the film, they're going to make some changes. Is that ever a problem to your, you know, to your ego or anything for them to make possibly wholesale changes in what you, you know, what you envisioned? Um, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, the, 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 the great news here is that like, we really had a team who all really loved the underlying book and all wanted to make, um, I think the same version of the movie and these are all really smart people. And so there were, there were lots of opportunities to frankly make the story better. Um, and part of the reality is, is, you know, just in terms of sheer math, like the graphic novel wouldn't fit into a movie. Like it's, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a sprawling 200 page graphic novel and the screenplay is a lean, mean hundred pages. And so it did require just based on the mechanical differences between a book and a movie, like they couldn't be exactly the same. And, and I think having people who are smart and passionate and very experienced in, in terms of making some of those changes, so that the the movie version, um, much like the book version, could appeal to the widest audience possible, was extremely fun and very helpful. Okay, so go ahead. And let me get your feedback on this, Don. Okay, so you know you have a work that you haven't adapted into a film. Uh, does it uh, bother you if they make any changes as far as the screenplay goes? Um, no, it doesn't. You know, it's funny because I I was just talking about this with someone. When I would do a, if I do a screenplay and it gets changed, it's it's a lot more painful than if I do a comic book and it gets changed because the comic book's an end product. So I've already feel like it's been done my way and it's out in the world and people have gotten the chance to see it. A screenplay, no one has seen. So if it gets changed, it's sort of getting changed before it has a chance to sort of live in the world. So I have a lot less issue with the comic books being adapted or changed just because it's I've already sort of done it the way that I would have done it. And you know, if someone wants to modify it and sometimes things just have to change for the medium, you know, but uh, I don't, I don't really mind it. Okay. Well, that's pretty much what I have for you guys. But uh, before I let you both go, uh, I want to give each a chance to talk about any other projects you might have coming up that you can talk about. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Josh. Uh, uh, you have the floor to tell us about any of your projects and where can fans follow you on social media and on the web? Well, I'll let, I'll let, I'll let, uh, Don has far more robust social media accounts than <laughs> July. Uh, Unicorn itself um, has its own um, Facebook and Instagram page, which can be followed. Um, it's a unicorn with a K, obviously. And then um, I too, obviously, Joshua Malkin. I'm on um, both Facebook and Instagram uh, with accounts that will betray how, how rarely I tend to those gardens. So... <laughs> um, and in terms of what else is, is coming up next, um, more unicorn. Um, you know, there are there are several other other properties in the works, but volume two very much underway right now. And we're looking very forward to, to sharing that with everybody. Okay, same question for you, Don. Uh, any new projects and uh, where can fans follow you on social media and the web? Cool. Yeah. My uh, Instagram is at Donnie Inc. D-O-N-N-Y-I-N-K. Um, I'm not great at social media. I'm trying to get better. So please hit me up there if you want. Um, I also, uh, there's there's also, um, I'm a partner and a board member of Scout Comics, which is uh, scoutcomics.com. My uh, production company website is motor.ink. Uh, you can also find information about the stuff I'm doing on the film side there. Uh, project I'm working on now, I just sold a TV show to a network that's going to be announced probably in the next few weeks. Um, I also 
am uh, doing a comic book series right now with Andy Circus. I'm writing with Anna Davis uh, for and with uh, from an idea by Andy Circus and Andrew Labatas, uh, both from the film side. And that's been a lot of fun. It's a great, great world. And we, we launched the ash can of that at uh, New York Comic Con. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And I said, yeah. we'll be following Unicorn quite closely and uh, on some of your future projects as well. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again real soon. Great. Martin, thanks so much for having us, man. All, I, right, I I All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to GVN's Talking Comics. Please come back again. Talking Comics is a production of Geek Vibes Nation.